and welcome back to the Dreamcast. I am your host, Denise Walsh. I combine science, scripture, and stories that will inspire you to dive deep, break through your own personal glass ceiling, and design a life of your dreams. Are you overworked, overstressed, and overwhelmed? You want life to be different, but you don't even know how to get there. Man, oh man, I lived there myself. And in my experience with working with thousands of people from all walks of life, there is one simple thing that holds so many of us back, a lack of time management. We may know what we want, but we often don't know how to get there and don't feel like we can add one more thing into our already busy day. And that's exactly why I created the Dream Life Action Planner. It's a 90-day inspired game plan that will give you total clarity on your greatest priorities and skyrocket your productivity on the tasks that matter most. And now, for a limited time, you can get your own copy for free. And when you go to denisewalsh.com slash action. Denise Walsh, D-E-N-I-S-E-W-A-L-S-H dot com slash action, A-C-T-I-O-N. Put your information in and we will send this action planner directly to your inbox so you can set your goals, reprioritize your calendar and design your dream life today. Welcome, welcome back to the Dreamcast. I'm really excited about our next guest because she has a story about how she used a burden in her life. In fact, something that held her back for years and created a blessing. As they always say, your mess becomes your message. And for our next guest, that is certainly, certainly true. She had heart surgery at the age of six and a half years old. And because of that, there was a long vertical scar, which ended up impacting her self-esteem and self-worth. Our next guest became her own worst critic and had incredibly negative self-talk and would say things like, you're ugly because of the scar and hide it first so no one can ask you. And from a very young age, she did whatever she could to hide. She was often looking at other people for validation and didn't feel quite comfortable in her own skin. And because of that, she has now since healed from the inside out and and is using that experience to help others stand confident, stand tall, and own themselves through her self-love project. This is called the No Filter Love Me One Project. And its mission is to step into your own vulnerability, see the beauty underneath it all, and to create awareness in this selfie, self, like social media world. So I'm really excited to hear her story and the message that she has come to share. So please welcome Danielle Valerino to the Dreamcast. Yay! Thank you, Denise, so much. I'm so excited to be on and yeah, just really, really excited for today. Yeah, well, I've I've met you through a mutual kind of business coach and we've been chatting, we've been getting to know each other and I've been so impressed with your passion about this project. This is not something that you're like, this is kind of cool for everyone. You are on a mission to spread self-love from like the mountaintops (laughs) and it's because of your own personal story. So let's start back there to the heart surgery you had. What was that all about? And then how did that impact your psyche growing up? 
Sure. So at six and a half years old, I had open heart surgery, which was specifically atrial septal defect. So obviously, as any six-year-old, you have no idea what that means, except for your parents telling you that everything's going to be okay and everything's going to be fine. So I remember, you know, there's moments going into it and being in the hospital that I do remember, but obviously specifically, you know, after surgery, after healing, it left me with a, you know, long vertical scar that starts, you know, a little bit below my collarbone and goes to, you know, a couple inches below or above my belly button. So, you know, at six and a half, you're not really thinking, you know, body image, you're not really thinking anything with this. And, you know, as I got older and, you know, you become more body aware, you become more self-conscious, this scar turned into, you know, like you said, it was a burden. It was not seen, you know, in my own eyes as a blessing. And the name of the game was kind of let me cover it or hide it and do whatever I could so people wouldn't ask me about it. I mean, high school is tricky anyway. And to feel like you have something that is a mark or like separates you in your eyes in a negative way, how did that impact your relationships and your view of yourself throughout those years? That's a good question. So I think even like, it was, it's interesting because it's like, I even look back younger, like elementary school. And I remember, you know, changing for gym class and I would always want to face the wall. So like nobody would see the scar. And then, you know, as I got older, even into high school, you know, it was okay. Now you have formals and proms and balls and all these things. But I remember being in ninth grade and, you know, you have your first semi-formal And it was this idea of, you know, I need to make sure that it's covered with a necklace, right? Or something, because I thought, you know, people would look at me and that's the first thing. And it was kind of like this face of disgust, which was never the case. It was something that I always told myself and believed it for so long. And it's interesting because, you know, you look back and it's kind of like, you think like, how did I, you know, how did I tell myself this? But it's like, as with anything, we tell ourselves something for so long, we actually become, we actually start to believe it. And, you know, and I knew at the time, like it wasn't, you know, it wasn't a healthy mindset and it was no, nothing anybody was telling me. And, you know, I obviously had conversations like even with my mom and she's like, Danielle, you know, it's nothing, but it was something so ingrained in me that, you know, it created that, you know, impression of myself as having this, you know, long, ugly, you know, everybody sees it as so different, like scar that I would do, you know, whatever I can or find something that would just cover it, you know, just perfectly so that it wasn't, you know, wasn't noticeable. Yeah. And it was, you know, it was difficult. And as I got a little bit older, you know, I, I said, I want to go to a plastic surgeon. And the thought with that was, oh, maybe they can cut it. Maybe they can do something. And I remember I must've been at that time, probably like maybe 18, 19. And I went and saw a couple, a couple different surgeons, one who, you know, basically he was the last one. And he said, there's, there's no way I would touch it because it had healed so beautifully. Cause it's, you know, how it healed was smooth. And it was hearing that, that I kind of had that like little bit of a light go off, but not, you know, not big enough yet. Uh, well, wait a minute. What do you mean it healed? You know, I'm thinking everybody's scar healed this way. And he was, you know, going on to say that if he were to even recut it or have it heal again, you know, you're never going to get the skin to heal how it should. And it can actually create more problems. So it was at that point, it was kind of like a little bit of a defeat because I thought, okay, here was my intention of going in and this is just going to work out. And, and it didn't. And then when I got into college, I cheered. So I cheered all four years. And obviously, you're going into college, you're meeting new friends. There's a lot of people that, you know, are brand new. And cheering seemed like perfect because at the time, you still wore like the high turtlenecks. 
So I'm like, this is awesome. Like it's the first week, you know, first or second week of school. Oh, and then obviously though, you're not in uniform all the time. So it was really a matter of like stepping into that and then having people, you know, when they ask like, oh, what's your scar from, you know, kind of, and I would brush it off. Oh, I had, you know, open heart surgery and just left it. Whereas, you know, because it was still that like idea of let me hide from it. And then I remember, you know, even in college, it was like hair, makeup, everything had to be like fully done because in my mind, you know, people won't notice the scar maybe, you know, maybe it was this idea of like, let me use these filters to hide myself or cover myself in any other way that I could. Isn't it so interesting how we can make a mountain out of a molehill, you know, no one else even noticed it. In fact, you could be proud of the scar, you know, you, you had open heart surgery, you like defade the odds, you, you know, you did, you went through something that most kids never do. In fact, it healed beautifully and like perfectly. And, but yeah, instead of, you know, that mindset or that thought pattern, you got into a thought rut and and everybody has this, whether it's with your appearance or with your person, you know, you, maybe you're introverted and you beat yourself out about being that, or, you know, there's a lot of things that we experience and we create these ruts in our mind where it's like a pattern, you know, it's, it's something happens and all of a sudden you're in that negative emotional pattern and it becomes so big to you that you're thinking about it all the time, even though the reality is, is that nobody else is at all. So you had to make a decision at some point to say, okay, this cannot define me anymore. And if it does, it can't be negative. So tell me a little bit about that transition. Yeah. So it's actually interesting because I've, I've haven't talked this part of it, kind of like what got into the project, you know, obviously, you know, here's a point where you're at where it's like, okay, I need to accept this, but it's not a matter of just accepting it and being okay with it. Because if you look at the timeline, like you said, you know, there's so many negative thoughts that have continued over and over and over again. How do you break that pattern? And how do you make a shift? And that's where I needed to get to. So I actually started working with a coach who really helped me start to look inward versus outward. And I think that was, you know, the big shift I can say is internally when we look at kind of like this chaos that we're going through, right? Whether it's in our mind, our thoughts, what we're telling ourselves, how we're seeing ourselves, we could really create such a skewed perception and such a skewed picture that it's like, how do we start to like tweak that, you know, and it's definitely by no means any kind of overnight process, but how do we take the time to like work through that? And so when I started working with this coach, I also actually started meditating. And, you know, I think with meditation or any forms of just relaxation, there is a point where it takes you to, you know, come to silence, come to a place where you're just kind of you and your thoughts. And I was always like, go, go, go involved in like 25 million things. Like you need me here, you need me there. And it was almost like, I think a way of kind of like sort of like blocking that emotion and not really looking at it. And I was actually meditating one night, you know, I came to the point of just this realization of accepting the scar and like crying and just going through that emotional roller coaster of like a mix, right? Like you look at yourself younger of how much you beat yourself up on something. And then you see kind of that like conversation unravel as you get older and getting to a point of just like accepting like who you are, what you are and everything that you've gone through, right? The good, the bad and everything in between. And that's when this whole like no filter, you know, just this idea of how do we start to unfilter ourselves came about. And I also coached cheerleading at high school. And it's interesting when I, you know, look at girls from, you know, 
10 years ago to now, you know, their form of communication and just how they interact is so different. I mean, they're on the cell phones, they're checking, you know, posts, likes, comments, all that stuff. And essentially I'm seeing how that's turning into, you know, their worth or their validation. And so the conversation started unravel. This is now actually two years ago. We were at a practice and we didn't have enough girls to practice that night. So I said, let's just go over some stuff and let's have a conversation. And, you know, these were girls who were, you know, 10th, 11th, 12th grade. And we had a conversation of just what does school look like right now? What does friends look like right now? What you're going through socially versus even five years ago. And they started bringing up stuff of how, you know, certain even words that they would use because that was like what was cool and certain, you know, things that they would do behavior wise that maybe they essentially wouldn't do if they weren't influenced by a certain group or entering a conversation with people because, you know, say you're with somebody and you run into so-and-so and you feel like you can't contribute. You know, it's the idea of, oh, let me take my cell phone out and start scrolling, even if I'm not, because I feel like I can't contribute. And it kind of stopped me in my tracks because I'm like, wait a minute, this is going on, you know, at their young age. And it's this idea of like filtering, but underneath that is like our self-worth, like self-worth coming back to a selfie, you know, a comment, a photo, a like, whatever it may be. And it just hit me like, wait a minute, you know, now filtering can be in so many different ways, but how do we show up who we are, no matter who we're meeting, right? Like, are we the same person, whether we're meeting person A, B, C, or D, or are we filtering, editing, cropping ourselves to change, you know, to make that person like us? And, you know, just going back, it's, you know, what I was trying to do is, you know, let me cover this up or let me not let it be seen or God forbid I talked about it. Whereas now it's like, well, why don't we step into that? Why don't we step into what made us stronger? And so, like I said, to answer your question, it was, you know, working with a coach who really taught me to look inward and to sit with those emotions and that those emotions were okay. But how do we come to more self-love versus, you know, that self-doubt? I feel like self-love is such an important conversation because in this world right now, we are looking for external validation all the time. And do you feel like that external validation keeps us from even really knowing who we are? Oh, I love that question. I really love that question. And that's, yeah, I, I have to, I think, you know, I kind of look at this three-year timeline of, you know, working with a coach and just doing a lot of inward work, I guess you can say, is, yeah, I think externally validating, you know, yourself, whether it's, you know, whatever it may be, an accomplishment or just that validation from other people. And I think all of that stuff's really good, but it's also who are we underneath all of that? And I think that was something for myself because, you know, in school I was, in college, I was really involved in a ton of different things and it was all great experience, but it was that, you know, external validation, keep, you know, validating what I'm doing or keep kind of, you know, that little push of, you know, and I kind of see like the head versus the heart you know, I'm seeing that right now of, you know, where do you go logically? And then where do you go with what feels right? And I think the more that, you know, this external validation gets fed, the further away we get from what our soul feels, what we need internally, that maybe it's, you know, let me not really add this to the conversation because I don't want to make people feel uncomfortable or maybe people will make me feel weird or whatever it may be. Whereas when you speak up, no matter what it may be, you share that, you know, there's probably nine times out of 10, somebody who's going to relate to you, maybe not, you know, identical 
in an identical situation, but they're going to relate to you where now that even forms more of a connection. So I think being more vulnerable versus always needing that validation brings connection. It brings, you know, pieces that connect people through, you know, hardships and maybe even positive things too. It doesn't have to always be, you know, the tough things that we go through. Yeah. It's interesting when you are so focused on being accepted by others, then I feel like you do, you kind of shift in the wind. If they like this, so do you, if they don't, you don't. And so you aren't grounded in who you are and what you want. And then years go by and you don't even know who you are anymore. Mm -hmm. And so what I love that you said is it's interesting. We sometimes hide our likes, our dislikes, who we are, what we stand for. Either we don't know it because we've been so programmed throughout high school to look at everybody else and and to fit in essentially. But the other thing you said is the thing, number one, we don't know what, who we are or, or what we want. So it's hard to stand up and self-love when we don't even know what that looks like. But then number two, once we do know ourselves and we own it, that actually brings more connection because you can be busy and involved in a ton of stuff and popular or, you know, your schedule's full of activities and they can even be social activities, but you can still feel empty inside if you don't feel that connection. So not only did you start seeing these patterns in yourself, but you started seeing it with your high school students, which I think is so, so cool because it's been almost, oh my gosh, 20 years since I graduated high school. That's really (laughs) crazy. I was class of 99. So we thought we were the best class ever. Just so you know, party like it's 1999. (laughs) Um, But when you think of the age now, it's so even more important for people to know who they are stand up in that self-love and be proud of who they are so they can have real authentic connections. And so tell me about, you started noticing these patterns and then you wanted to do something about it. So what happened next? Yeah. So, you know, I think it's, well, what it came back to was knowing what I had went through and then knowing kind of, okay, there is always light at the end of the tunnel. So like I said, it was just really looking inward and it was looking at kind of like, I think of like cleaning up all the cobwebs, like cleaning up all this stuff, all this mess that we're feeling internally, right? Like the emotions, the thoughts, those, you know, negative thought patterns that continue. One question I have real quick. Did you ever grieve? Because I feel like you do have to grieve. You do have to like allow those emotions to come up, identify what they are and allow them to to process. Did you ever grieve your negativity, like your critics? Like, did you ever think about, man, why was I so mean to myself? Yeah. Yeah. I actually went through a lot of times where it was just like the roller coaster of tears because it was just like, why, you know, why did I put that pressure on me for so long? And, you know, it's like, oh, if I could go back and tell my younger self, or if I can go back and, you know, reverse those thoughts, it would be so different. But, you know, then I look at it and I'm like, okay, I have to acknowledge that. I have to accept that and honor that in the sense that, okay, I did go through that, but there's now, you know, what's the reasoning for it and what was the lesson learned from it, I guess you can say. Um, But yeah, there was many times where I was just like a basket case of, you know, why, you know, why did I do that? And a lot of it was just in my own head. Like I didn't want people to know, you know, I remember even like not even wanting to talk to my mom about it because I didn't want her to feel upset for me or make, I just didn't want to put that, you know, but it's like, if we vocalize, right, if we use our voices, how different of a conversation that can look like. I mean, now we talk about it and she, you know, she still gets in. I'm like, it's, you know, it's fine now, but it's just interesting. Yeah. That whole, yeah, you do, you go through. You do. You kind of have to grieve through it and then, and then say, okay, but now what? 
Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. You said now what? And you didn't just say now I'm going to love myself and and I and you know meditate and be quiet and really allow my likes, my dislikes, my like who my personality to come forth. But then you built a website and do workshops and like speak on this. So tell me more about creating yeah. your business. So, yeah, it's been really exciting. So I um obviously I have the Instagram and that started with just this, this idea of the challenge. So the challenge is, you know, take a selfie without a filter, you know, just take a snapshot, not 25 million snapshots, and then just post it. And then the hashtag is filter free loving me. And it was this idea that, you know, we go on social media and we can portray a completely different life online than what we're living day to day. And it's like, you know, there's so many positives, I think, with technology and where we're at, like from an advancement. But at the same time, like, how are we utilizing that? And how are we showing up online where we're making connections or we're sharing a message or we're using our voices in a real authentic way? Because everything can be, you know, rainbows and butterflies, but is that really what's going on? You know, and then when you look at the psychology behind it, people hop online or they're scrolling or they're doing whatever. And now all of a sudden they're feeling bad about themselves. They're comparing themselves, you know? And I think it's getting to a point where, you know, you go online or you check, you know, something out. And how do we have that conversation where we're not feeling bad about it and we're not comparing ourselves? And I think that's the biggest thing is, what I've been learning is this comparison factor of, you know, especially with students. This past spring, I did a workshop at a high school and uh, with college students. And it's interesting because you think, you know, the high school students are going through this more. But in reality, it's such a bigger scale, you know, with young adults and the college itself, the age range was 25 to 35 years old. And I did this one exercise where I have, it's kind of like a pie, like on the floor, I guess you can say, like a mapped out, like if you think of like a pizza pie and each wedge represents a different perspective. So I'll have a student come up and I walk them through these different perspectives of a topic or something that they're going through. And it's interesting because you see such a shift in body language, verbalization, tonality. And as you go through here, you start to see when you're talking about things, how you know, we start to close ourselves up, right? Maybe our shoulders drop or we kind of hunch in. But then when we feel more excited or more open, you know, you kind of see that broad like chest open up. You see your shoulders drop. You see your head up. You see more of that like glow. And it's like, why aren't we having conversations like this versus, oh my gosh, I have so many likes or, oh my gosh, nobody likes this picture. Like we got to get way deeper of what's going on. And we also have to have a conversation of what's going on, you know, whether it's the highs or the lows, How do we talk about that to bring it back to connection? And I think also, too, when we look at our vulnerability, it's, you know, let's shy away from that because that could seem, you know, it could seem, quote unquote, too scary or it can seem maybe even too much or not accepted or the idea that we don't know how people are going to accept it, you know, before beforehand. So it's like, let me hold back a little bit. And I've noticed that, you know, even when I first like talked about even just the open heart surgery. And I had conversations, you know, prior to even this past spring, obviously, but there was days where I couldn't even say it without like the waterworks. And I'm like, wait a minute, what am I still holding on here to? That's like creating that trigger. And I think the more we open up and express anyone's story, the more we can step into that, heal ourselves and help others. Mm. So it started with the filter free loving me challenge. 
and people take a picture, no makeup, no filter, just like owning themselves and hashtag you. How did you start doing workshops and and getting into schools and, and number one, learning how to do it? And number two, getting yourself in a space where people knew what you had? Yeah. So actually, it's funny. So out of college, so when I was in college, I had talked a little bit about being involved. I, you know, as part of student activities board, student government, and an orientation team. And we had a facilitator come to orientation. It was my senior year. And he does like workshops, leadership presentations, and all sorts of things. And I remember he gave me his card and he said, if you ever need anything, give me a call. So obviously it's, you know, beginning of senior year, you're not really thinking, you know, anything with that. So I took his card and I put it in, you know, the drawer and I just, you know, kind of kept it there. So went through senior year, graduated. And after graduation, it was kind of this point of like missing that student connection and missing being involved in just student activities. What was your degree in? uh, Marketing, actually. (laughs) So business marketing. But I just love, you know, event planning, coordination, that sort of thing. So I was like, wait a minute, I have that business card. I don't know what it would take to be a speaker or a facilitator for this company. Let me email. So I sent my email in and whatnot. And it came back that basically I had to go through an interview process um, and then submit a video of giving, you know, presentation workshop. So I did all that. I got through the interview process and I actually worked for the company for a little over three years. So I traveled all over the U.S. doing workshops, college orientation, leadership workshops and different presentations to college students. So that's kind of where I started with it and loved it. And then I, you know, I left the company and and whatnot, but it was great experience. And it was kind of like, wait a minute, those conversations that we were having, you know, allowed students to open up. And I think that's the discussion that, you know, especially in schools, whether we're seeing it or not, it's harder because students are so used to, you know, looking down and using their cell phones that it's like, how do you get them to use their voices? And it was just, I think in combination with, you know, my experience with that, that student connection coaching, hearing the dialogue that a lot of these girls are going through because it's such a shift from when I first started and just seeing how, you know, especially the ones who I, you know, started coaching. And then as they got a little bit older, I saw them getting a little bit more quiet. Right. And I'm like, well, what's holding them back from expressing themselves when they were, you know, seventh, eighth, ninth grade, you know, how do we look at that? And instead of saying, you know, what's wrong with them, I hate that phrase, is how do we empower them to take on leadership? How do we empower them to step into using their voices? How do we empower them to have conversations where it's not just agreeing to agree, but to share your opinion, share your voice, share your viewpoint. So the selfie effect essentially walks students through this wheel of identifying different ways that we Um, see ourselves, uh, specifically self-worth, self-love, and then looking at this online world or this idea of digital citizenship. And there's a couple other components with it too, but how do we break that down, have a conversation, and then come back to, you know, knowing that our self-worth is more than a selfie. Mm, Beautiful. So selfie effect is the workshop that you'll present at schools. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. And I'd love to hear a story of someone that you worked with and and they began and and changed or stepped into themselves and started to blossom. Actually, I have a couple of people coming to mind right now, but I'll share this one. So this woman who I had worked with, she, um, we actually went through this whole exercise and, you know, her, obviously I'm not going to get into any specific specifics with her name, but um, her biggest thing was losing herself. She came to a point in life where she really felt like she just completely 
lost herself. She, her wheels were spinning a hundred miles an hour and she didn't, she just didn't know where, where to go. So, um, I actually have gone through training through CTI. It's the coaches training Institute. And so just from experience with that coaching conversations with this woman, we actually kind of started back to how is she feeling right now? And I think sometimes it's like we want to avoid that because we don't want to bring pain up. Yet when we look at what that pain looks like, or we look at what that pain triggers, then we could step into, you know, let's dissect that one layer deeper. Let's go a little bit deeper here. So with this woman, you know, she started to saying again, how she felt like she was losing herself. She felt like she was just completely lost. She had 25 million things going on and she just didn't, she just felt stuck. And it was kind of like, sometimes we get in that like quicksand where we feel like we're getting pulled down, 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 and we're just trying to keep our head afloat. So what the conversation turned into is we did this exercise I kind of alluded to where there's this, you know, pie essentially on the ground. And, you know, the biggest thing that we were looking at is losing herself. And so I put her in that place of, you know, tell me what that feels like. And, you know, noticing her body language and the words that she was using. And, you know, it was, it was, it was uncomfortable. And I think sometimes, you know, we avoid what feels uncomfortable because it just, it feels uncomfortable. And at the same time that we have to create a safe space that that's okay. So fast forward, I walk her through different perspectives and there's some that she brings up of, you know, different ways to look at what she was going through. And by the end of it, we, um, we ended up like on a beach perspective of looking at what she was going through. And we looked at this idea of how, you know, when you think of like the beach and the waves and just this smooth, calm, like ease versus effort, you know, what perspective does that take on? And we came up with kind of a, what's the word, like an accountability task for her to take on following that um, of what she was going to let go of and what she was going to hold on to. And what was it going to take for her to come back to a place? And it's not an overnight process of not feeling so lost within herself. What were those things that, you know, made her feel excited? What are the things that she let go of? And I think it's so easy for anyone that we get so caught up in this, you know, constant like go, go, go mentality that take a step back because we have so much within ourselves that always comes back to choice. And sometimes it's just shifting that lens or seeing, you know, what we're putting on ourselves that's essentially not true. Or again, like what, what could we let go of? So it was interesting because, you know, we started off and obviously we're just meeting, you know, through that interaction that day. Um, but we went through a lot of emotions together as I walked her through and I thanked her. I said, you know, she was being extremely vulnerable in front of the group of people that were there. But the biggest thing I think is when we can step into that vulnerability, we can see our beauty within all of that. And when we could step into our story and vocalize and verbalize, then we could start to heal from the inside out and help others do the same. Mm, that's amazing. And I know it, it's not uncommon. So many of us lose ourselves when we've got kids and we've got work and we've got businesses and we've got husbands or spouses or whatever. Like we're busy and we aren't taking the time to meditate. We aren't taking the time to slow down. We aren't taking the time to say, what is it that I like and who am I now? Because sometimes we do change and we have to kind of read, like learn who we are at this yeah. point. Yeah. So very cool. So you, you certainly got amazing training and you were able to travel and do that. Is there anything else like that you did to start your business and start getting the word out about your message? 
Actually, it's funny. It's interesting because you look back and it's like, oh, I could have done this or I could have done that. The biggest thing right now is trying to work on some like girls, like teen groups during the summer. I mean, obviously it's hard because of vacations and, you know, students off from school, but there's actually a local, it's a studio here that we're looking to run some classes or just some like girl events there. And then there's just some local people right now that I know. And I think the biggest thing I would say is getting it off was just doing it. I think with anything, it's just stepping into it because there's so many excuses. There's so many reasons to just not. And that's what I think was the toughest part in the beginning was it was first like, I need to have this all figured out and I need to have this and that. And I think it's just getting started. So in the beginning, it was just, you know, let me hop on Instagram and let me put this out there and, you know, see what comes of it. And now, obviously, as it's unfolded, I think with anything, um, you know, more ideas, more creativity, more connections with people of, hey, I know this person and that person, you know, I'm being connected to a couple other females in the area, one who does nutrition consulting, one who does personal training. So how do we bring that conversation in where it's, you know, having a discussion with girls on, you know, more self-love, less self-doubt, but let's also teach you, you know, pieces along the way. So I do have some other things I'm working on right now, but that's kind of the next step. So I think I would just say getting it off is just getting started and kind of figuring a lot out as you go. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Saying, okay, this is what I want. And then one step at a time, but you do learn so much. I feel like in three years, you're going to look back and be like, I'm in a completely different place. And it's because you kept taking one step at a time. Yes. Now, when you have a hard day and you're like, man, it would just be easier to work at McDonald's or something. (laughs) (laughs) What do you do yourself? Because I know you're passionate about this. You can feel Mm -hmm. like your energy. This is brewing inside of you. You want more girls to accept to number one, know who they are and to love who they are and accept who they are so they can shine brightly. But when you have a bad day, how do you keep yourself focused and motivated? You know, that's a good question. And I think... I think part of it's first just accepting that it's going to be a bad day. You know, there's times where you're just kind of like in a rut and you just feel like you're in this funk that's never going to go. For me, I always find like physical activity, like working out or when I don't want to work out, but I know I have the energy to do it, just push it through. Because I feel like when you're in that like slump of like, oh, I just feel like whatever it may be, is that like change that energy, change that like where you're at and just you know, when you're, especially when you're, you know, working out or like physically active, you know, it changes, obviously there's the whole chemical change within your body, but like it just, you just feel better. So that's like one thing I always go to is a, you know, a good workout. And I think also like, if it is a point of just, I need sleep or I just need rest or just need to get through the day, like allowing that too. But I think it's like meeting yourself where you're at versus having to like do more or add more on. Um, I think it's, you know, just coming back to, you know, it comes back to self-love is what do I need in the moment versus just like adding more onto the pile when you know, that's just not, you know, what today's going to look like. I love that because you're not judging where you're at. You know, you're right. not saying oh, I'm having a bad day, but I wish I wasn't having a bad day. Why am I having a bad day? I shouldn't be having a bad day. <laughs> yeah. And I think we too, not only are we judging others most of the, like a lot of the time, but we probably judge ourselves more than we even think, you know, those should, those shouldn't, Mm -hmm. the what ifs, why me, if only I wish, you know, those thoughts that keep us stuck in the past rather than saying, I love that. What do I need right now? How am I feeling right now? And let's 
let's go fulfill that. Let's go do that. Do I need to call a friend? Do I need to go work out? Do I need to journal? Do I need to take a 10 minute walk? Like, what do I need right now? And, and then honor that and go do it because that will move you forward rather than staying stuck in that like downward spiral. Yeah, definitely agree. Yep. So what is your vision for your company? So my vision for this is definitely, obviously to empower women, but I think especially the biggest, the bigger message of this is to embrace whatever it is, you know, that makes up you. And I think there's so many times that it's kind of like that, oh, I wish I was like this person or when I get to here, but it's like, no, like who you are right now, like, yeah, you have goals and you have things that you want to accomplish. That's great. But like being content in your own skin, that's the biggest like message is coming to a place of being comfortable in your own skin. And it's way more than just saying I'm comfortable in my own skin. It's we all go through through things. I still go through things through things where it's like, I need to sort that out and look a little bit deeper at that. Um, The bigger piece of all this is definitely just through conversations, workshops, programs, other things that are in the works. But again, coming back to students and coming back to even just young women going through whatever it is, transition times and college, uh, you know, young adult phases and even older women. I mean, I've had conversations of women who are, you know, they their kids are grown up and out of the house and they're still going through things. And it's like, I think there's no quote unquote age, but it's a matter of, you know, really looking at what's bothering us or what that pain or trigger is that's stemming from. And how do we come to that root cause of it or that root trigger point? So back to the message, it's just really empowerment, helping women create a safe space, helping women step into their vulnerability and just see their beauty. Because I think, you know, it's so easy to get caught up into the, you know, the products and the the body image and whatever it may be is how do we come back to a place where we're comfortable in our own skin. And it's also not even just being that level of comfort, but we're able to vocalize, we're able to share our opinions, our thoughts, our ideas, whatever it may be, and not have that self-inflicted judgment or judgment of others skewing or changing then where we have to edit crop filter ourselves to make somebody else, you know, like us or whatever it may be. Beautiful, beautiful. And I know that this is a message that not only do we need now, but I'm sure in the next 10 to 20 years with social media not slowing down, we're going to continue to need the depth of connection versus the comparisonitis that we all go through. Yeah. All right. So I've got two more questions for you. The first one is, honestly, this is something that I needed when I was growing through my transition years as well. Part of my story is that I often saw myself as second place and I defaulted to others frequently. So I would default to the leader in the group and just be... I became a really good follower. Now, thankfully, I was following the right people and I made good choices with who I hung out with. But I never stepped into the leadership role or the like owning my own opinions as being valid. I often defaulted to others and just kind of did what they said. And so there came a time where I didn't even really know who I was anymore. So I feel like that's part of the the self-love is really knowing yourself and loving yourself. How do you challenge or help people to get to know themselves better? Like how would somebody start doing that? Mm -hmm. It's interesting because I actually, 
a few different discussions that I think of with people that I've had. I think the biggest, like the first thing is, is like, I had to do the work myself. So like when I speak or share with other people, it's not this idea of like this opinion's right. Cause I think we all have things that we can add to the conversation, but it's by going through, you know, certain like work and things that I had to do internally that I could share from that experience. So I just want to kind of preface it with that. But I think, you know, the biggest piece of coming back to, um, and you were just alluding to somebody who's, you know, how to help them kind of know themselves is the first thing is, is looking at, I guess the first thing I would say is like looking at where you are right now. And it's easy to create a laundry list of this is going great and this is not going great. And this is where I want to be. And this is what I don't want. You know, we start to like beat up on ourselves, right. Or, or the comparison, like you said, but the, the first thing I think is as far as knowing yourself is really sitting with yourself and sitting with your thoughts and the emotions. And it's not, you know, a 24 hour overnight thing, but it's rather that when that emotion comes up, not stuffing it. So for example, when I was going through the coaching training, it was all in person and I'll never forget. It was, it was one morning I was walking in and I was a few minutes late and I had like breakfast with me, like, and I just sat there and we had to do this exercise and it brought up a lot of emotion for me. And the guy, the instructor came around and he was like, hey, cause there's a couple other people also, there was a lot of emotion going on in this one particular day. And he went to give me a tissue and I noticed within myself, I'm like, if I take that tissue right now, it's going to help me stop crying, right? Like it's going to help stop that emotion. But at the same time, am I blocking that emotion or should I just allow it and get that cry out because I'm, I'm feeling that. And I think that's the first thing is that we need to look at like what our triggers are and what are the emotions coming up and what are the emotions that we're blocking. So when we know that, like then we can say, okay, I'm catching that right now within myself and I can allow that emotion or I could work through it. Because I think the more you work through it, the distance, it, the more distant it becomes, even though it's still maybe painful, it's not as painful as it was. Like the situation with my scar, at one point I was a basket case talking about it. And then I slowly, you know, the more I cried or the more I vocalized it and talked it out, the further I got away from that like trigger of it. And also I was able to come to a place of like self-love knowing myself where if someone's going to say anything about it negatively, like that's on them where I don't need to take on that projection. So I think the first thing I would say is start to notice your emotions, start to notice what those triggers are or start to notice what you're avoiding. That's the first thing. It's easy to look at what we look at and it's harder to look at what we avoid. Mm. Yeah, that's really fun. I mean, it's it's not necessarily fun, right? It's hard work. <laughs> yeah. But you can see that the growth that happens when you do the hard work puts you in a space of empowerment where now, even if somebody said something rude about your scar, you're like, I know who I am and that's not going to trigger me because yeah. I've healed through it rather than, I mean, so many of us have defenses or walls up or things. So when somebody says something, we've got a lot of triggers that they could yeah. trigger <laughs> yeah. and it gives so much power away. So owning healing and then being proud, you know, just like, like I, I feel that like standing up straight and looking the world in the eye and being like, I'm here and I'm showing up a hundred percent authentically. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that just reminds me too of the idea of like being seen 
Because I think especially, and I come back to women, men can be this, it could be the same, but I think especially as women, that idea of being seen sometimes feels too much. So I think also noticing like body language is really important. Like I remember when I would go to the gym, like it was always like, let me pull up my shirt a little bit or let me make sure like not too much of my scar, you know what I mean? But you're wearing a tank top, you're sweating. Like it is what it is, but it's like, how do we, yeah, like just embrace that and not, you know, whatever it may be. It's just that it's a judgment piece. And then also um, just accepting, really mm. accepting. Now, my, my next question has to do with the moms who are listening, because I don't have any girls. Um, I may someday, who knows, but I know I've got boys and they, I'm sure, are doing the same thing. They're watching YouTube videos and at, you know, age seven and four, like nobody's business. So I'm sure they're going to go through similar experiences, but we want to raise children who know who they are love who they are and are empowered to be who they are. So do you have any thoughts for the moms out there who might be raising girls in this day and age? You bring a really good point up. I've actually met with some, some moms. Um, and it's interesting because I'm hearing what I would think would be more of like a high school situation happened in elementary school, especially with body image. It's becoming unfortunately more apparent at younger ages and then when you look at the rates of anxiety, depression, suicide, what these kids are going through, they don't realize that their pain's temporary. Um, but the first thing I would say is I think sometimes, and obviously I don't have kids, so I can't speak you know, personal experience, but I can just share in conversation is I think sometimes there's this idea of let me put a Band-Aid on it or let me say you're going to be okay or it's okay or don't let anyone hurt you. Yeah, when students are in the halls, they're outside the halls, they're in the classroom, they're outside the classroom, and now it's like school comes home with them because they're looking on their cell phones and seeing, oh, somebody just snapped a you know party or whatever. I'm not invited to it. Now they feel bad. They question themselves. Whatever. It almost doesn't leave them before it used to you know stay at school, and now it kind of travels with them. So the first thing I would say, especially with young girls, is you know I think it comes back to I don't want to say step into their shoes because it's different. But instead of, I think sometimes, especially, you know, even parents, there's, it's easy to, you know, get mad or use language. I mean, I hear it in different situations of, you know, what's wrong with you or, oh, can't you just blah, blah, blah. And it's like, kids are internalizing that they're mimicking, you know, what their parents are showing up or how they're showing up or what they're saying. And I think the biggest piece is to be, you know, that person who's motivating, inspiring, you know, their daughter, but having conversations around, you know, how are you feeling? What I think the more we can talk about the emotions or the thoughts, the more we can understand that what they're going through, almost paint this picture of show me what your world looks like. Tell me what you're feeling. Tell me what you're experiencing. Because sometimes from an outside perspective, we don't really we don't really know. We may have an idea, but you know, the kid who is sitting in the lunchroom eating half of her, you know, peanut butter and jelly sandwich because she doesn't want to gain weight in fourth grade is not a healthy mindset. And unfortunately, that's probably going to travel with her maybe as she gets older and that can turn into an eating disorder. So how do we teach, you know, proper nutrition and that, you know, excessive exercise at a young age isn't, you know, calories in, calories out. I had, you know, practice where it was with younger girls. I mean, middle school and into high school. And 
One of them said, I'm going on a diet. And then the next second, someone's like, I'm having, I want a six pack, you know? And I was like, okay, take a seat. We're having a conversation about this. And what came up from it was what they're seeing online. So-and-so that they're following with a bazillion followers in this perfect world online. Like that's reality to them. So I think there's, there needs to be an awareness of what, you know, girls are seeing online, what they're comparing themselves with, and that conversation of what is real, and that everyone's going to experience high and lows. But I think the biggest thing is just having that discussion and really creating a safe space where they don't feel like they're being judged, and that they're not, they're not going to feel like they're being, um, you know, punished or penalized for expressing however they may be feeling. Ooh, that's really important. You know, it sounds like really just having conversations and having an open dialogue, which means creating that space because it's yeah. typically not something that someone's going to come to a parent for. It's going to be layers deep, right? So when, whether it's dinner time, car times are a really great place because you're not necessarily staring at each other. So I feel like a lot of things are talked about in the car yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. when there's no TV or no phones or no YouTube or whatever. Um, but having that space where you're just asking questions and saying, tell me what that's like. Show me. I want, well, how does that feel? What is this, you know? And, and I think, again, as parents, because a lot of times we have experienced similar situations, we get, go quick to how to solve it. But you're saying that solving it isn't the important part right now. The important part right now is to give them a space to vocalize it. And you've said this several times throughout uh, this past bit where you want to speak it. You want to speaking it is healing. And why is that? I think, well, there's two, two things with this. The first is like coming back to stuffing emotions, right? And we think about stuffing emotions. And, you know, sometimes we kind of get that like pit in our stomach. Like we feel kind of sick, like something's bothering us. And so it's easy to like, literally like push it down, right? Suppress that emotion. But I think the more when we bring it up, like literally up through our voices, we can let it out. So it doesn't have that like gripping, uncomfortable, like uneasy feeling. And I went through this with one of the girls that I coach. This was, you know, years past as a student. I don't even have her anymore. But at the time when I did, you know, she was going through some hard things of not being able to express herself. So I gave her a task where she really had to step into a leadership role. And just by doing that, I mean, she had her respect of her team, but it was able for her to step into something where she could be giving and sharing to others versus, you know, kind of going back into that turtle shell, essentially. Um, so I think vocalizing and verbalizing, whatever it may be, is so, so important. I think it's even that idea of whether we're in, you know, as adults, like in workshops, meetings, whatever it may be, or students who are in school, like, it's kind of like, I'm raising my hand, but then I'm putting it back down right away. Because I don't know if what I have to say is important enough, or if it's going to contribute enough. But it's every time you notice that, like, all the more reason, put your hand up, say it, share it, and it gets easier every single time. So I think our voices have so much power to them. And the more we can express and use them, you know, there's just so much strength within that. Mm, I love that. And I do think that speaking allows you to change your thoughts. There's something powerful about, you know, you can, you can think something and you can, and you can have that internal battle of, yeah. of changing your thoughts or, you know, but when you start speaking it out loud, it becomes that much more powerful. And, and I do, I've seen so much healing happen just by kind of releasing it and working through it. And then the thoughts change as well. Yes. Yeah, for sure. 
So is there anything that you do every day that you couldn't live without? Definitely working out. I love, I think, like I said, it's just kind of a release. I love working out. That's definitely like one of my like non-negotiables every day. Yeah, I think that's like my biggest thing. If there's something that I could not give up, I just think there's so much, not even just from like a strength or from like a, you know, let's pound out this workout. It's just getting your body moving. I think there's an expression with that. And just, you know, when you start to, I think even just like internally, like you, you know, your body, you know, things that like, okay, today's just not going to be a good day. But, you know, I think you just start to listen to your body and just coming back to that strength. I think once, you know, you could push through a workout, you could push through so many different things because it's like those days where you're like dragging yourself to the gym and it's like, okay, I can get through this. Like then I can get through whatever else. I think there's a lot of parallel with physical discipline and, you know, other things in our life. Mm, Yes, I love that. Motion creates emotion. So getting moving impacts your emotions. You know, it's kind of like you don't feel better and then you do it, you do it and then you feel better. Yes. Yep. But you're right. The discipline through working out, it's one reason why I love working with athletes because they see the finish line and they know to push through the roadblocks in order to get there. The discipline that you learn with with working out, with exercise, with nutrition, all of that can then trickle into every single other area. For sure. Yeah, definitely. Well, thank you, Miss Danielle, for sharing your story. I'm really excited to see where you are in the next few years because you have a heart and a passion that is contagious and a message that everybody needs to hear. So check her out, nofilterloveproject.com. And then is it No Filter Love Project on Instagram as well? Yes, it is. Awesome. No filter love project. Take her filter free loving me challenge. Hashtag yourself and shout you out and connect with you. And then if somebody's interested in inviting you to their school or their youth group or talk to their, you know, maybe they've got a group. Do you travel? Are you mostly in, in your local area? Yep. No, definitely reach out. I've worked with Girl Scout groups up to, like I said, college. I mean, really any ages. And it's, there's a lot of pieces that can be customized. So if you're looking for a certain message or a certain topic, we can work with that. Again, everything is, it's very much customized, but there's a lot of different themes too that, you know, we could talk through and yeah, definitely reach out. I would love to. And if anyone just has a story that they want to share, I always love hearing that as well. Because like I said, I think our, you know, our story is our strength and just using our voices brings so much. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Danielle. We appreciate you and the message you are sharing. Yeah. Thanks, Denise. This was awesome. Thanks again. I appreciate it. Thanks so much for hanging out with us today. I want to hear your aha moment from today's amazing episode. If you could leave a review at whatever podcast player you choose to listen from, Apple Podcast, CastBox, Spotify, YouTube, wherever you're listening from, leave a review and share with us your favorite part of today's episode. Thanks for hanging out. And remember to dream big.